Parshat Kitisa clearly has like some huge, huge things. First of all, it's the end of Truma Tetzave because the beginning of Kitisa is the last commands regarding the construction of the Mishkan and the appurtenances and the, 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 the Kior and the, the Shevan Mishkan and the Toret and of course the identification of Batsalel and the famous piece with Shabbat. And then, of course, we get the big crisis. The big crisis which occupies the bulk of Parshat Kitisa is Cheta Egel. But Cheta Egel is prefaced with one pasuk that then plays a role in the story of Cheta Egel, and I want to focus on that. And it, it is here in Source 6. Uh, we're going to come back to Sources 1 through 5, not to worry. All right, at the end of Moshe's stand on Har Sinai, at the end of the, what ends up being the conclusion of 40 days, so Hashem gives Moshe, after he's if I'm speaking with him, he gives him two tablets of testimony. All right, what are we told about these tablets? They're Luchot Evan, they're made of stone, no surprise. Tuvim Elohim. They're written by the finger of God. Okay, however, however that plays out, but that's how they're written. By the way, what's on these Luchot? So all we know is that they're called Luchot Ha'edut. Let's take a look at the one, the, the two other mentions of the Luchot in Parshat Kitisa, and then we'll go back and try to explore what, what's there. But notice, these Luchot are called Luchot Ha'edut also in the pursuant passage, which is when Moshe comes down. So the tablets that he has in his hand are called Luchot Ha'edut. We're going to come back to that. They're written Mishne Evraham. How would you translate that? On both sides. On both sides. What does both sides mean? Right and left, front and back. I would have assumed front and back, but okay. Mize umizehim tuvim. So the definition seemingly of Mishne Evraham is Mize umize, which seems to argue front and back. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy front and back. And now, the luchot were made by God, meaning they were carved out of stone by God. It's written by God, carved into the luchot. Okay, beautiful. Beautiful description. We still have no idea what's on these luchot, except they're called luchot ha'edut. Right? Now, parenthetically, Moshe, of course, breaks the luchot. I don't want to mention that pasuk. But then, when Hashem is about to forgive B'nai Israel, what's the first command he gives to Moshe? Source 8. Carve out two stones like the first ones. All right? Now, we already know that there were so carve out two stones like the first ones, which means, Moshe, you have to carve them out of bedrock, or where they are. And I, again, will write on the luchot you broke the first set. I'm going to write on the second set what, what I wrote on the first, which means the writing is always done by God. The only difference is the second luchot are carved out of essential rock by Moshe. But otherwise, it's the same. Okay. So what actually is, uh, is on these luchot? So we actually get a sense at the end of our parasha. This is now at the end. He's up there for 40 days. This is at the last set of 40 days. Again, no eating, no drinking. 
he writes on the Luchot, Divrei Habrit, Aserat HaDvarim. And that's going to be the focal point. What does that mean? Divrei Habrit, Aserat HaDvarim. And now, Again, they're called Luchot Ha'idut. Although he's written Divrei Habrit on them. What does that mean? And then he comes down, etc. And we, we don't know what it is. So let's, let's look back and see what this word edut might mean. The first time we come in contact with it is before Matan Torah, in a, in a passage, passage that itself is somewhat troubling and problematic. At the end of the story of the man, and the man, of course, the man, the onset of the man, this whole parsha takes place uh, at Rifidi, uh, before they get to Rifidim, and this is when they're in, in, in Midbar Sin, between Egypt and Harsinai. They haven't gotten Harsinai yet. And at the end of the story of the man, when uh, after they've gone through at least two Shabbatot, I think it's actually three Shabbatot, maybe four, Moshe then turns to Aaron and says, This is source one. Take a, a, a an Omer's worth of the man, which is the amount that everybody got, and put it as a, a keepsake forever. So everybody will see the food with which I fed you on the way out of Mitzrayim. Right? Important thing to commemorate. So take a vial and put an Omer's worth of man in it. Put it in front of God. What does that mean in front of God? What does that mean in front of God? So we don't know because everywhere is in front of God. What does it mean? And then we find out, Kasher Moshe. So, just like Hashem commanded Moshe, Aaron placed it in front of the Edut. Now, Edut, what's that? There is no Edut. Remember, we are pre Sinai. We still haven't gotten to Har Sinai. So, what's the Edut? So, it's clear that this Pasuk. Along, by the way, with the next two, the, next, the pasuk afterwards, which says Bnei Israel ate the man for forty years, they ate the man until they got to the Seirot's Canaan. That uh, that that those pasukim are written later on in history. Later on, meaning by Moshe before he dies, uh, when he completes writing the whole Torah, so he adds those pasukim into this parasha, or for the first time he writes his parasha, but it's updated to reflect forty years in the desert. Okay. But we see that the place that Aaron is supposed to put the man is in front of the edut. Edut, what does that mean? So we go to Matan Torah, and we see, here's the story of Matan Torah. Hashem gives the Aserat that he wrote. After the Aserat that he wrote, famously what happens, we've talked about this a gazillion times, is that the Bnei Israel are afraid of more contact, direct revelation from God. So they step back and they say to Moshe, you go get the rest of the mitzvot. Moshe steps into the cloud at the foot of the mountain. Hashem speaks and gives a mitzvot, which include the laws of the Mizbeach, and then ve'ela mishpatim, all of the laws of mishpatim, the whole law code, as it were, which ends with reshit b'kurad matcha tavi beita adonadrecha, lot v'ashel g'di b'chalei And then we hear the following. I'm sending a malach. question is, what does that mean? To bring you to the place that I've prepared. In other words, this entire next section is about coming to the land and being loyal to the laws that you were just given. 
in which case you'll have success in the land and success in conquering the land and the fear of the inhabitants of the land. Will you, they will have fear of you and they will leave and you will have, uh, and you will have success in the land. And then at the end, the warning, don't let them continue to stay in the land because they'll trip you up and it'll be a location for you, etc. Okay. Immediately after that, Hashem tells Moshe to come up to the mountain and worship. Moshe then steps out of the cloud before going up to the mountain, tells everybody all the things he heard, which is exactly what they told him to do. You go get the laws. Come out and tell us. He comes out and tells them the laws. They all say Naaseh. He then builds a Mizbeach and 12 Matzevot. He then sends young men and they bring Korbanot. Right? He take he he uh, in the meantime, he then um has written down all of the things that he heard in a sefer. The next day they have Korbanot and Moshe reads from the text and they say, And at that point, Moshe is then ready to go up to the mountain and uh and he and uh and he come and he goes up with Yoshua. Right, and he says, Aaron Bechura with you. You have anybody have questions? They go, Moshe goes up to the top of the mountain, goes into the cloud. Okay, that's sort of the quick chronology of that. Now, what happens at the end of the time he's up there, which may have been curtailed because of the Egel, but at the end of the time being there, Hashem gives him the, uh, the Edut. Let's take a look at what's supposed to happen to that Edut. When we, when Moshe comes to the top of the mountain, the first thing that Hashem tells him to do is, and the only the focus of the entire time on the mountain is the Mishkan. And what's the focal point of the Mishkan? Without question, it's the Aron. The Aron, Kaport, and Kruvim are the thing of the, of the, of the Mishkan. Everything is around it. And what is supposed to happen, go inside the Aron, which means it is the absolute focal point of everything. I am going to give you a testimony, which means a physical thing, which is a testimony, and you're going to put it in the Aron. And then we're told about the Kaporet and the Kruvim. And then, was repeated after you put the Kaporet on the Aron. First, before, before that, you put the, the Edut inside, then the Kaporet with the Kruvim. And now, what's the whole point of this? I'm going to meet with you there, and I will speak to you from above the kapor in Ben Shnakruvim, Asher al Aron Haidut. Again, Aron Haidut. So now, what's the Edut? The Edut is the tablets. The tablets are a testimony, and the tablets go in a box, so the box becomes the box of the testimony, the box that holds the testimony. And by the way, now we understand what Hashem told Moshe to do with the man. Put some man in front of this Edut that, of course, doesn't exist yet. Okay, good. So it's called a dut, a dut, a dut. And by the way, you see in Shmot, uh, when in the part, part that we started with, luchot haidut, luchot haidut, luchot haidut. Okay. When we get to the end of, of Sefer Shmot, when the Mishkan is constructed, vayikach vayiten et ha'edut al ha'aron. Again, the luchot are called the edut. He puts them in. And by the way, before we leave Sefer Shmot, I just want to ask, why are the luchot called edut? What does edut mean? Edut means testimony. Edut can mean testimony when 
a person or two people come in front of Beitin and they tell what they saw, that's doing a dut. But here you see a dut not as a telling of something, but rather as a physical commemoration of something that happened. So what are the luchot and edut of? They keep being called luchot ha'edut, luchot ha'edut. What, what are they testifying to? Presumably Ma'amad Har Sinai. Exactly. They're testifying to Ma'amad Har Sinai. Here are the words you heard on Har Sinai, and here they are, written in stone in a miraculous way. What better testimony do you, do you want? And that testimony sits at the core of the Mishkan. Okay, very good. And I'm comfortable with that until I open up Sefer Varium and suddenly I have a slightly different take. When you, when you get to the Aserata Dibrot that Moshe repeats for the next generation, immediately afterwards he says, Source 11, So these words, that's the Aserata Dibrot, Hashem spoke from the fire, etc., he wrote them on two tablets. So now I find out, again, that what's on the tablets, the Aserat wrote. Very nice. Okay. And now when we get to Akev, when Moshe retells the story, not only of Mamar Sinai, but critically of Chet Egel and of his own being up on the mountain several times, he recalls the following, Baluti Ahara, and suddenly he calls them for the first time Luchot Habrit. Back in Shmot, we were told by Ichtov Allah Luchot at Divrei Habrit. But now they're called Luchot Habrit. And then, two tablets. He looked very carefully at that phrase. What's written on these tablets? Everything that Hashem spoke to us, everything. So now, what's the everything include? <clears throat> what is that? And by the way, at the end of that passage, he refers again to Luchot Tabanim, Luchot Habrit. Right? And then in retelling his story, he says, This is what Hashem says. And then, Again, the ten things, and that's all that's written on the Aserat that he wrote. But there's something missing here which is these keep getting called Luchot Habrit. And I want to come back to passage 12, because in it, Moshe describes the Luchot as having everything that was heard Bahar Mitoch Ha'ish B'yomakal. What is that referring to? So here's the question. Luchot Habrit, Luchot Ha'idut, what's on them? What's on these Luchot? And we're told that the second Luchot are an absolute replica of the first Luchot. So what's on them? Second of all, why did Moshe break the Luchot? Now, a simple, superficial, pedestrian answer would be, Moshe was very angry, he broke the Luchot. Doesn't seem to be what's going on. 
Matter of fact, Rashi seems to say almost the opposite because in the very last comment of Rashi on Chumash, when Moshe in the eulogy, the last two psukim of Chumash are eulogy for Moshe. Ulechol hayad hachazaka, last pasuk. Asher asam Moshe, it's not the yad chazaka of God, it's the yad chazaka of Moshe. What was the yad chazaka of Moshe? What does Rashi say? Ze shvirat haluchot. That refers to breaking the luchot. And the, therefore, the luchot, breaking the luchot, becomes some sort of a heroic act by Moshe, which is the pinnacle of his eulogy. So why is he breaking the luchot? What is it that's going on? So I want to make a suggestion that I know is going to fly in the face of hundreds of years of synagogue art, but I'm not too bothered by that. We come back to this description of the uh, of the luchot, which is mizel mizehin ketuvim, that the luchot are written mishnei Abraham, right on both sides. Mizel mizehin ketuvim here in source seven. They're written on both sides, written from here to there on this on this side and that side. What is it that's written there? So if we posit that all that's written on the on the luchot is aserat advarim, the ten statements. Why would there be any reason to write it on the other side? Because remember, the luchot are not intended to ever be displayed. Where are they going to be? In the Aaron. Not seen by anybody. So there's no reason for them to be on both sides. They're written on this side and they're written on that side. What is it that's written? But let's remember that in uh, in Dvarim, Moshe says, In other words, Hashem spoke lots of things. Did Hashem say all of those words to Bnei Yisrael? He didn't. Matter of fact, according to many we shown him, all that Bnei Yisrael actually heard was the first two Debrot, because afterwards the Debrot shifts to third person. God shifts to third person. And they seem to be hearing it from Moshe. So what is it that they heard It means they didn't hear it directly. They heard it from Moshe who heard it from God. So let's go back here and think what happens on that day. Hashem reveals himself. He says, Here's the terms of the relationship. Here are some of the capital things you have to make sure to do and to avoid. And then he was going to continue, but Bnei Yisrael say, we can't take anymore. Moshe, you get the rest. And Moshe gets the rest. And the rest concludes with a breed. What does a breed mean? A breed is made up of several components. The party of the first, the party of the second. Here is what each party agrees to do. And here are the consequences of non-fulfillment along with the reward for fulfillment. That's a breach. Take any one of those components out, and you don't have it. If it's not clear who the parties are, how they're related to each other, party one known as employer, party two known as employee, then there's no breach. If there's no explanation of what each party is supposed to do, there's no breach. And if there's no mention of, of compensation, as it were, then there's no breach. So how does the breach start? That defines both parties, by the way. 
I'm the God and you're the people. I took you out of Mitzrayim, that makes me your God. Now let's go. Continue on. What is it that is expected? Expected of you is loyalty. Loyalty to me, respect for my name, our special affinity as in Shabbat, the way you treat other people, starting with parents, etc. Okay? That's the breed. The breed ends here because you can't end only with the list of what you got to do. Also, what are the consequences? And that's what this ha- here is here. This is the breed. If you follow it, I'm going to help you conquer the land. I'm going to, um, again, the fear, your fear will be on the enemies, etc. And if you mess up, then, oi, boy, boy. That's the breed. So I'd like to suggest that what happens is as follows. The Luchot do not only have a Seratadi wrote on it. They have a Seratadi wrote perhaps on one side. Mizam, Mizam, Tuvim, I believe that the other side has Divrei Abrit. Because what does Hashem say? What does Moshe say? Everything is there. And that's why they're on both sides. It takes both sides. So what is the what are the Luchot and therefore the Aron that holds them? What is it called when they're in Sefer Shmot? It's called Luchot Ha'idut. Aron Ha'idut, by the way, even Parochet Ha'idut. Because it's all about testimony of something you yourself experienced. That's critical. Shift to Sefer Dvarim. What is the entire focus of Sefer Dvarim? Sefer Dvarim is about one thing. It's about entering the land. It is about being loyal to the mitzvot. It's about not thinking that all the great things that happened to you are something you made. Don't forget God. It's about wiping out the enemies. It's about not making a breach with the enemies. It's about how to make war. It's all about entering the land, make, and appointing a king, not violating other people's boundaries. You name it. It's all about entering the land. When you talk to the generation that's about to enter the land, the luchot are no longer luchot ha'idut. What are they? They're luchot ha'brit. Because what's the critical thing on the luchot? The consequence vis-a-vis conquering the land, which is spelled out in Parshat Mishpatim, that's on those luchot. And therefore in Dvarim, it's luchot ha'brit. And by the way, even in Sefer Yoshua, what's the Aron called? Aron ha'brit. Because Yoshua, we're conquering the land. Interesting is after the land is conquered, the Aron is for the most part ignored. When it is not ignored, which is chiefly in a couple passages in Sefer Shmuel, and then really one big passage in Sefer Malachim, it's called Aron Hashem. It's no longer Aron Haidut. It's no longer Aron Habrit. It's Aron Hashem. Because Aron Ha'idut is the context of the people who were at Har Sinai, and this is the testimony of what happened. Aron Habrit is for the generation that's going to conquer the land because it's the Brit about conquering the land. Once we've moved past that, then this is Aron Hashem. This is the Aron which contains the, the, the reminder, the souvenir, the keepsake, if you will, of our meeting with HaKadosh Baruch and so therefore, when we look back, we also understand why it is that Moshe broke the Luchot. What did the Luchot say on that? 
They say, if you don't fulfill the commands, is what's going to happen to you. That's why, by the way, at the end of the terrible tochacha, the terrifying tochacha, which is most of Parshat Kitavo, or half of Parshat Kitavo, it's scary. I mean, I have to ball Kriya, I got to tell you. I usually end up fast because I'm, I'm scared to slow down because it's really, really upsetting preaching. After that tochacha, which ends on a sour note, you'll be sold and you'll, go and you'll be sent to Egypt and slave ships as slaves and nobody will buy you. This is the Brit. Brit means the consequences. Besides the Brit that he made with them at Choreb. Now, we assume that that Brit is Parshat B'chukotai. Not necessarily. It might be referring to Parshat Mishpatim. And it might be referring to the Brit that's on the Luchot. So a suggestion, which, again, is somewhat unconventional, is that what's on the Luchot is way more than we think. What's on the Luchot is certainly way more than an Aleph and a Lamed and a Lamed and a Zayin and a Chaf and a Zayin with a slash and a Shin. Way more than that. And a bunch of Lameds on the other side. But I believe it's way more than the Aserat that we wrote. Parenthetically, in numerous tablets that we found from the ancient world, from the time of Matan Torah even earlier, famous tablet in Ugarit found in 1929, we talked about a few years ago. Um, the tablets are written on both sides. And it may be because of the economy. It may be because it's just simpler to keep one tablet in the temple or wherever they're keeping it and have information on both sides. It may be that they specifically had to prepare the stone to make it carvable, and so it's easier to do on one. I don't know. But it certainly was a custom then. And many of the practices that we have a practice that we can identify as existing in our time or beforehand in the Near East. So in any case, back to our original point, we understand why Moshe broke the, broke the Luchot, because the people have violated the Brit. If you keep the Luchot around, what does it say? You're sunk, you're lost. Bringing the Luchot is a way of saying, we're going to have to start over. We can't live with this consequence. There's yet another take on the power, the importance of Moshe breaking the Luchot, which I once heard, brilliant suggestion, is that what is the greatest halachic sign of ownership? What's the great proof, the greatest proof that you own something? The ability, you can do whatever you want with it. It's my car. I'll take care of it, I won't take care of it. I'll drive it into a telephone pole and walk away or not. It's up to me. I mean, whoever owns the telephone pole, you got to take care of it. But you can do whatever you want. When you borrow something, when you rent something, when you co-own it, you can't do that. Moshe has Luchot in his hands. Who do Luchot belong to? The Brit is between us and God. What does Moshe thinking? At this point, God is going to take the Luchot back. He's going to take the Brit back. He's going to say, no more, we finished. You guys blew it. What does Moshe do? He demonstrates ownership of the Brit by breaking the Luchot. And that's why the famous Drush of Rishlakish on the Pasuk that we all know well from Tanit Tzibur, and we're going to read this Shabbat, which is Asher Shibarta, Yasher Koach Shibarta. You broke the tablets? Good job, Moshe. That Hashem is applauding him for taking that Brit and taking ownership of the Brit 
by demonstrating ownership, by breaking it, and then allowing us to renegotiate, as it were, and to uh, and to be able to revive the Brit, which is what the rest of Parshat Kitisa is about. So hopefully this gives us a little bit of uh, new insight into Luchot and into the whole thing of Shirat al-Luchot.